Happy Thursday, everybody. No doubt as we head into the fall, you're thinking about, hey, how can we improve things at our church? And this is one way that I think most churches could improve their game. There's this hilarious video on YouTube about these two young people dialing a rotary phone in under four minutes. These young people were raised after the era of landlines. The world has moved on, and they have no idea how to dial this type of phone. It's a funny video, not because these young people don't know what to do, but because it's an example of how things have changed, even with the way we communicate today. If your church is still communicating like you were communicating back in the era of rotary phones, you are missing out. Today, we live in a media generation. People are consuming more content online than ever before. If your church is not speaking the language of media, then you are not able to reach people today. That is why you need to partner with Pro Media Fire today. A partnership with them is so vital. Their team of graphic designers and video editors are standing by to create custom videos and graphics for you each month at a flat rate, at a crazy low flat rate. Our friends over at Pro Media Fire have a free report they want you to pick up. It's called the 7 Digital Church Trends of 2019. We're halfway through, more than halfway through 2019. If you have not read this report, you are missing out. What I want you to do is go by uh, promediafire.com forward slash unseminary. That's promediafire.com forward slash unseminary. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. My name's Rich. Uh, I am super excited about today's conversation. Uh, I've been a fan from afar of Heather Zempels for a while. She is a discipleship pastor and campus ministry director at uh, National Community Church, a church you maybe have heard of before. Uh, pastor Mark Batterson is uh, the lead pastor there. Tr- started in 1996. They currently have eight locations and expanding in the D.C. area, which, um, you know, I just finished watching Jack Ryan on Amazon. And, I, and I'm and i like, I, I, I picture that that's who you guys reach out to every day. So, uh, Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me on, Rich. No, I'm super excited for you to be here. Why don't you tell us, for folks that don't know, kind of give us a sense of NCC and, and then tell us a little bit of about your, your role there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, National Community Church, I mean, we started back in 96, core group of 19 people meeting in a, a D.C. public school that nine months later was closed due to fire code violations. And making a very long story short, we wound up uh, meeting at movie theaters across metro stops in the D.C. metro area. And uh, we're really driven by kind of three big core convictions that the church belongs in the middle of the marketplace. The church ought to be the most creative place on the planet. And that's not just a challenge for the media team. It's a challenge for all of us. So there are ways of doing church and small groups and worship uh, and missions that nobody's thought of before. And then we really believe that God will bless us in proportion to how we give to missions and care for the poor in our city. So uh, that's kind of a, a snapshot of who we are. Uh, we have people that work uh, in, uh, in a lot of people that work in the political uh, sphere on both sides of the aisle, which makes it a very interesting place for us. Absolutely. Uh, especially at, you know, very specific times every two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we love it. Uh, we get an opportunity to work with some of the most fascinating, uh, intelligent, creative people on the planet, I'm convinced. And uh, we just love doing what we get to do. Yeah, it's a, this is an amazing church. If you haven't had a chance to track with NCC, you should. And I, and I, 
Um, I just love what God's doing there. I love the story he's writing and, you know, just excited to see, uh, you know, what goes forward there, you know, at your church. Now, what I'd love to do is dive in. So in your role as a discipleship pastor, I'm sure you spend a lot of time thinking about groups. And, you know, the I'm sure most of the people who listen into this podcast, they don't need to be convinced. I realize when I look back, we have had like a number of kind of groups people on and and they're talking as if like, oh, groups are, are like a new thing. And like maybe, you know, we should have groups and um, maybe even like how to structure groups. And all, although all of those conversations are good and interesting, um, I'd love to dive into something a little bit different today. I'm wondering if you could kind of put on your coach's hat because I'm sure you've yeah. worked with tons of you know group leaders over the years when you are actually interacting directly with 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 leaders specifically people who are actually leading groups what are the kind of things that you're you know coaching them on the kind of things that you're helping them with helping them to actually produce a better groups experience yeah absolutely uh, I think um, you know regardless of what kind of model you have regardless of whether you call it groups or Sunday school or classes or whatever label you want to put on it, most churches have some kind of structure already in place where people are gathering together in smaller groups, in circles, to try to further their faith, um, trying to do community together. And so when I'm, when I'm coaching group leaders and, and I get an opportunity to speak kind of in a lot of different environments around the country with different models, uh, there's kind of four big things that I, I try to coach people in. Cool. Uh, the first one is just be present. Uh, yes. Sometimes we we put this big, um, you know, leadership portfolio together for a small group leader of all these things they have to do, and I think the number one thing is just showing up, mm, uh, showing up predictably. Um, you know, showing up mentally, like being prepared, being prayed up, being prepped with whatever the conversation is going to revolve around. Um, but then maybe even more importantly, showing up randomly. I think it's the random moments that we show up in the lives of people that make the big difference. Um, What's an example of that? What would be kind of a random show up? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll share one uh, from my own life. Um, and wow, we're just we're going to go really deep pretty quickly here. But uh, <laughs> my husband and I wrestled with, uh, with infertility for about seven years. Oh. And uh, a couple years into that, we had, we had let a small group of people into that process with us. And, and uh, you know, we, we would have conversations uh, occasionally about it, but usually we didn't talk about it. We just said, Hey, would you pray with us? And I remember getting in the mail one day, a note that simply said, still praying. Mm. That was it. I mean, there were no verses, there were no, you know, uh, so cool. no big encouragements. It just said, still praying. I knew who it was from because I recognized the handwriting of this person that had been let into this group. They didn't even say their name. Didn't even have to say their name. And oh, I still, wow. You know, now, um, three years after, you know, we kind of got our little miracle baby, I still have that note. And that, again, like I, all of all the things that Nina has said, uh, of all the studies that we've kind of, you know, gone through together, like that's what was most meaningful to me in that moment. And, uh, and what's crazy is it, that she wasn't even the small group leader. We're just in community together. But mm-hmm. when a small group leader sends a text right before the big presentation at the office, when, you know, they send a note that just says, hey, you know, I'm praying for you at a critical juncture of somebody's life. Yeah. When they show up, it, you know, when you can show up at your kids, uh, it, you know, I mean, somebody in your group, their kid has a recital or a baseball game or something. When you just show up, that 
that showing up is one of the most important things I think you can do as a leader. And I know that all the small group leaders that are listening to this are immediately thinking, oh my word, I've got 12 people in my group. There's no way I can do this for everybody. And, and my encouragement is just think of one person each week that you can show up randomly for. Um, one of the things Andy Stanley says that I love is do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Just find some way that you can show up in a small way randomly, because I think that when you show up randomly throughout the week, it makes the showing up predictably on the night of your group so much more meaningful. It increases the level of influence you have, and it increases the the capacity for community in that group. Yeah, I love that. I know in uh, my wife and I, um, on the showing up predictably piece of it, one of this this is a small hack, but um, for years, we've led groups, I don't know, 20 years probably, and one of the things when our kids were little, you know, I I realized, man, we, we need this community in our lives, but I know there's going to become times when it's just me and I'm, I'm a broken person that I'm going to, if it's a Tuesday night and I got to go to somebody's house, I know what's going to happen. There's going to be this like, Oh, I really don't want to get in the car and go over there and do all that. Yeah. And so for years we've hosted in our home and people have been like, man, it's amazing. You've had groups in your home all those years. And the reality of it is the reason why is because people are coming to us. Like, it's like, Oh my goodness, if I, I guess we got to actually do this thing tonight because people are coming. And so, you know, for us, that has been a hack for us to stay predictably connected. Now, you said four things. What were some of those other things that you kind of outlined for folks? Yeah, so I'll maybe just hit on them real fast and then we can dive in uh, wherever we think might be good. The second one is just creating a safe place. Um, small groups are messy. Uh, I think, uh, you know, we, we see mess as a hindrance to growth, to community. I think mess actually can be a, a catalyst for the kind of transformation and community we want to see happen. I think a leader's role in that is creating a safe space for mess to be navigated. Uh, the third thing I would say is you've got to make it personal. Um, if you're leading a group of people, then the most important you're le- person you're leading is yourself. Uh, we need to be leaders worth following. And uh, so we've got to make sure that our, our growth is uh, intentionally uh, being pursued. And then finally, the idea of moving them out or moving them on, thinking about next steps. I think a lot of times as leaders, we come into group situation scenarios thinking uh, us for no more forever. Right. Uh, and I think um, if we could have the mindset of how are we preparing this group for whatever their next step is, uh, the better. So those are kind of the four things. Be present, create a safe space, make it personal, and then move them out. What, can we dig in a little bit on that moving them out? You know, I think over the over the years, I've seen that in my own groups when we, um, you know, serve at a, a local, local soup kitchen or we do, you know, w- whether we do that monthly or whether we're involved in kind of like a, a love week kind of thing where we're maybe we do some sort of, you know, we're going to clean up a park together, that kind of thing. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about there? And what are some practical ways? Because I do think there are churches that aren't making that a part of their group's experience. It's, it's, it is a bit more about just, um, you know, hey, we're, we're acquiring knowledge. There's, there's less of the like, hey, we're going to try to apply this, you know, in our lives as we, you know, go, you know, about our business together. Absolutely. I, one of the things that we kind of say around NCC a lot of times is a a church that stays within its four walls is no church at all. <laughs> the, the church was meant to be on mission with whatever story God is writing in our neighborhoods and our nation and our world. And I would say the same thing about groups. I think that you can, um, you can have small group and not be on mission, 
you can have community and not be on mission, but it is impossible to be on mission and not find community in that space. Uh, If we think about, you know, if anybody's been on a missions team or a mission trip, it's like you, it's like add water and stir community. You become so close to people so quickly. And I think it's because people are united by a common goal or mission. Like there's, there's community that can be developed face to face. And then there's community that can be developed shoulder to shoulder in the trenches. And I think particularly there are certain groups of people like, um, I think men, millennials, uh, there are certain groups that shoulder to shoulder is actually better in some ways than face to face. So yeah, moving it out. I think, uh, the more you can get your group involved in serving the community, making a difference in the neighborhood, um, you know, if you've got somebody in your group that is already wired that way, give them, I mean, delegate that to them. Say, hey, find something once a month that we can be engaged in outside. It could be as simple as moving your group outside one night when the weather's nice to have a barbecue and inviting people to come over. It could be, you know, doing a prayer walk around your neighborhood. It could be finding something that your church is already doing and plugging into that. So for example, at NCC, we have a second Saturday serve every second Saturday, every month. We just are out serving. That's an easy thing that we could say to a small group. Hey, as a group, we're going to plug into that. We're all going to show up and we're all going to do this one project together. We've even had groups here at NCC that have gone on missions trips together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there are a number of ways, you know, moving them out, getting them involved in service to the community. It could mean getting them involved in some way in service within the church gathering itself. Uh, if there's a need in the church with with kids ministry or with parking or with production, you know, saying, hey, how could we as a group be the body of Christ in a unique way? How could we get involved in in serving, you know, the group in this way? And then another, I think another dimension of moving them out is um, making sure that they are developing the DNA to pass it forward. Um, Hey, you're in this group right now, but we want to create space for others to experience the same kind of community. So we want you to start thinking now, like in two years, who are going to be the people sitting around the circle that you're leading? Um, you know, helping them develop that mindset of, of multiplication. Well, this may be a little bit of a curveball here. I know one of the universal problems in I mean, problems maybe too strong of a word. Uh, an issue is our group. The, our group is we love it together. Things are so amazing. In fact, this thing is going so well. We don't. And you mentioned it earlier. You know, us four, no more. Like we are going to stick together. We're never going to multiply. Uh, you can't break us up. You know all that. How do you guys deal with that at, at NCC specifically? How do you help a leader um, do what feels like a counterintuitive thing, which is, hey, we're going to multiply, try to send some leaders out, do something different? How are you handling that? How are you coaching them through that? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. And um, well, the, the short answer for us is largely largely we cheat. Uh, NCC is a really unique beast because we have turnover, significant turnover about every two years. Mm. Uh, that's partially due to the transient nature of Capitol Hill and the political environment. That's due to the transient nature of students and our military community. So we actually, uh, as an example, we have a group that's probably been meeting together for about 10 years now, but none of the people in the group now are the same people that started. That group is essentially turned over probably five or six times. But for, for when we think about multiplication or replication, some of those buzzwords that you hear in, in kind of group nerd talk that scare people, 
I think the traditional approach, and we're getting a little bit into models here. And so I, you know, I know every church kind of has their own approach to this, and I don't think there's a right way or a wrong way. But our traditional approach has been to kind of take a stick to groups and tell them, hey, you need to, you know, grow and divide, grow and divide, grow and divide. And, uh, and, and like you said, people don't like that. And if we're, we've truly developed real community, then why are we forcing people to, you know, to bust that up? Um, there are a couple things that we've tried to experiment with here and, and encourage here that have worked. Uh, you know, I, this isn't magic formula for everyone, but one thing we've, we've encouraged is um, what if you try to become one group in multiple locations. So mm. we had a, a married couples group one time that just, I mean, it had grown to a small church plant or maybe even a large church plant. <laughs> and there were so many people packing. It became a, a situation where they could not all fit in one house anymore, but they wanted to maintain a level of community. So they said, you know what? We're going to become just like our church is one church in multiple locations. We're going to be one group in multiple locations. Oh, and so they cool. split off in a married couple, blue, married couple, orange, married couple, green. They were meeting at three different homes once a month. They would come back to together for a big family gathering. They'd bring their kids and it would be like a, a big, you know, reunion of sorts. Um, but they were able to, to keep the, the group small enough that people, people could participate, open enough that new couples could come in, but still maintain a sense of community together. Mm. Uh, another way that we have, uh, we've uh, experimented with it at NCC, instead of saying, hey, we're going to take a stick to your group and whack you so that you split in two, we, we want you to think of that stick as a baton, mm. and we want you to look at, at your group and look if there are two or three people that would be able to pilot a group. One of the, one of the cultures we have at NCC is since we launched locations, and now we're even planting churches, we're constantly talking to our people about, would you be willing to go be a part of a launch team? Mm. And so bringing that into the group culture and say, hey, look, our group's going to stay together, but we're looking for our group to launch a new group. Two or three people are going to be sent out from our group. We're going to pass the baton to them to go create something new. And we would love for some people to go into that space with them and create a new group. Mm. And then you're not telling people that, hey, we're, we're going to divide you up. We're going to split you up. You've got to turn into two or three groups. Uh, instead, it's almost like we're, we're launching out. We're sending out. It's kind of like a, the, uh, the moment, you know, in Acts when Paul and Silas are first being sent out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they stay connected to that parent group, um, but they're launching something new to create more space for, for other people. Very so, cool. I, I know that's one of those questions that particularly people who leads group, lead groups uh, ask on a regular basis. So uh, it's good to hear kind of how you're processing that and what that looks like. I love that. I think that's, you know, super helpful. Yeah. Well, I love particularly, you know, you kind of outlined these four different areas. Now, you've actually written a book around this, right? Uh, Called Big Change, Big Change yes. Small Groups, Four Ideas to Help uh, You Lead Adult Small small Groups. Why did you write this book? Why, what, what's going on here? Yeah, well, I think it's because, like you mentioned at the, at the beginning of, of the program, there's a lot of conversation around philosophy and theology of groups why we should do groups, how we should do groups, or the methodologies, the structures, the models. And there's very little that's been written to put into the hands of the average in the trenches small group leader. Several years ago, I wrote a book that was one of those philosophy models books. It was called Community is Messy. Um, And we put that book in the hand of all of our leaders. And I was so frustrated about it because it's like, this does not help them on Tuesday night. Like this tells them why we built the certain system that we did. 
and it tells them why it's important, but they're already bought in. So I really wanted to write something that I could put in the hands of all of my leaders, that regardless of how long they had been leading, what kind of group they had been leading, whether it was a Bible study, an interest group, a men's group, a women's group, a family group, a service group, um, that it would be practical, uh, immediately applicable, relatable, relevant to what they were leading. So that was the genesis of it. And I take those four things and kind of break them into uh, very accessible, what I hope is accessible and actionable ideas for leading in your group. Yeah, one thing that struck me about this book is exactly that, that this is the kind of resource that it's a little bit of like, I'm not sure why this hasn't existed before, but, you know, as a a great tool to put in the hands of leaders, I think we're always looking for ways to uh, develop and equip people in an accessible way. You know, if you've been listening in, you obviously know Heather is a you know, she's a, uh, a warm, accessible uh, kind of leader, the kind of person that you, it's easy to follow. And, uh, you know, this book really reflects that. It's the kind of thing that you could use um, on, you know, a, a regular basis. Now, you now have you used this? You've, I'm assuming you've used this within NCC uh, in some other contexts. What's been the response? How has it kind of rolled out to people? What difference, you know, has it been making? Have you heard any kind of cool stories back um, for churches that have engaged with, with using it? Yeah, it's a and it's a it's a relatively new book. We we haven't even gotten the book in the hands of all of our leaders yet. Although that is the the goal. We have done a we've started doing some training uh, that that kind of wraps around these forty ideas. Which you know it, it it's kind of a compilation of some of the training that our groups at NCC have gotten throughout the years, but put together in a way that's like oh this you know, whether you're a first-time leader or even leading 10 years, this can still be helpful. And so uh, there are certainly things in kind of the chapter on creating a safe space, how you navigate mess that have been uh, very helpful to people. I think some of the ideas about showing up randomly have given our leaders some new ideas and then moving them out hopefully uh, helps people talk about or leaders think about things like serving as a group and multiplying in a fresh way. Um, I've, I've heard from a, a couple of groups, pastors at other churches that, you know, they're, they're moving their entire training over to this book, which is a little scary to me. <laughs> I mean, that's, not a little, that's real scary. I'm like, well, hold on. Let, let, let's maybe see if this actually works first. Um, but yeah, there, there are some churches that are kind of seeing it as a, a potential, uh, blueprint for training their leaders. That's very cool. Well, if people want to pick up a copy of it, where I'm assuming they can get it at Amazon, are there other places they should be looking at to, to yeah. pick this up? Uh, Amazon is obviously you know the easiest and the quickest place. Um, but if you want to buy in bulk, I would encourage you to go to thinkorange.org. Um, Orange is is the publisher of it, um, and they actually offer discounts if you're buying in bulk. So if you're thinking about getting it for you know 25 liters, 50 liters, something like that, uh, you might actually find better pricing at Orange. Cool. Yeah. So maybe pick up a copy, check it out yourself at Amazon. And then if you want to get a bunch more, drop by uh, Think Orange and and get it there. That's that's fantastic. Well, this is great. Is there anything else you want to share uh, before we kind of pivot on and go into the rest of the episode? Yeah, I just think, you know, if you're doing groups, um, you know, don't stress too much about the methods and the philosophies. All that stuff is important. But I think just encouraging people to gather together and creating spaces where they can do that. Um, Jesus said, go make disciples. It was his last command. Uh, let's make sure it's not our least concern and um, just encourage people that are in the trenches doing it. This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Well, we're going to jump into the lightning round, that part of the episode where we ask similar questions of everybody that's on the episode today. Super honored to have Heather Zempel with us uh, from National Community Church talking all about groups and how we can help the group leaders in your church. 
Uh, Heather, what's an online resource that you're using these days that's helping you out? So Evernote uh, is where I dump all my ideas. It's even where I've been starting to keep track of everything from, uh, you know, my sermon series ideas to my meeting notes. Uh, Wonderlist is how my team is working together to make sure our tasks are done. And on a personal level, it's college football season, so the ESPN app is opened on a very regular basis. <laughs> nice. Who are you cheering for? All my SEC teams. Okay, nice. Good, good, good. That's great. Uh, what's a book you've read in the last, I don't know, maybe six months to a year that's that's shaping your thinking or ministry? Yeah. So this one's a, a little out of the box. Who? By Jeff Smart and Randy Street. It's on hiring. We're doing a lot of hiring around here at NCC right now. And so that has been helpful in terms of creating a path that is simple and repeatable and hopefully is going to yield great results. Very cool. What's another ministry you look at? You know, you've got contacts all across the country. Uh, what's another ministry you look at that that inspires you or, or fires you up? Lion Share Leadership, uh, which helps equip churches uh, in disciple making, is one that I look to for discipleship. Carrie Newhoff, I'm always looking to for leadership. And then we're launching a new network church in Nashville called Bridges. And I feel like the best, most creative, innovative ideas uh, don't come out of the big churches. It comes out of the planning churches. And so I'm looking to them right now for how they're doing outreach and how they're doing worship and how they're doing their weekend gatherings. Very cool. If you could get 15 minutes with any leader alive, who would that be with and why? You know, I, I'm really intrigued by, I've always been intrigued by the Anglican church for some reason. I don't know. Um, but Justin Welby, who's the Archbishop of Canterbury, I think would be fascinating. Uh, he's combined kind of a charismatic theology and style of leadership with a very ancient tradition. And uh, I, I just think that would be a fascinating conversation. Very cool. Well, I can imagine uh, leading at NCC takes a lot of time, effort, energy. But when you kick back, relax, just want to have fun for a little bit, what do you do uh, for fun? Yeah. Uh, well, I consider myself to be the chief adventure officer in our house. Uh, <laughs> nice. I have a three-year-old and my husband and I love to travel, which means she's going to love to travel. And we're constantly looking for adventures around DC. We like to give people new experiences. Um, and then uh, I love watching football on television and baseball live at Nationals Park. I have a life goal to hit every major league baseball stadium. Oh, so, very cool. Uh, that's, uh, that's some of the stuff that, that I do in, in the spare time. That's very cool. Well, I appreciate you being on the show today. If people want to get in touch with you or with the church, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so our church website is theaterchurch.com. Uh, I, you can find my email contact information there, and then you can find me on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on Heather Zempel. That's Z-E-M-P-E-L. Nice. Thank you so much. Appreciate being on the show today, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.